What's going on you rogues, rebels, renegades and rascals? Welcome to episode 57 of the Rogue Country Podcast. I am Mike West and thank you so much for tuning in. First of all, an apology to Josh Bettis and the Welsh people as a whole. I apologise for calling your t-shirt Simru in Weston. As an uneducated Englishman, I took a guess at the thing I'd only read on science. I'd never heard it actually pronounced and I did my best. And that's all that really matters, except now where I can actually correct it. And I believe it is now Cymru and Weston. I say it's now Cymru. It's always been Cymru and Weston. I've just not been able to pronounce it up until now. But that was thanks to Josh Bettis' wonderful TikTok videos and how to pronounce what he's actually selling. Thank you so much, Josh. And congratulations on selling out your Cymru and Weston t-shirts. I look forward to the reprint. Coming up on the 28th of December, I hope you have your tickets for the Rogue Country Christmas Roundup. We're having it on the 28th of December at Future Yard in Birkenhead, and it's going to be myself with Brandon Ridley and Megan Lee. It's going to be phenomenal, and I'm just going to break down some behind-the-scenes stuff for you because I think it's really important. We all know, or we should all know, that right now, gigs live and die by the pre-sale tickets. If you are thinking of getting your ticket on the door, that's cool, but I strongly, strongly urge you to buy in advance from the websites, buy from the artists, or whatever you need to do, because that is how gigs are actually feasible. That's how we know people are actually going to be attending. We can't rely on 20, 30, 40 people showing up on the door because we need to know in advance that this is actually going to work and everyone's going to get paid and everyone's going to have a good time. With that being said, the Rogue Country Christmas Roundup three weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were on two tickets. Which, if I'm being honest, and we try and be as honest as we can here at Rogue Country, that's not a great start. That's not an amazing thing to hear that we've only sold two tickets to a show. But a week ago, I got in touch with the venue and asked how many tickets we sold. We jumped from two to eight, which, again, that's good going. It's not incredible. But for independent country artists in Birkenhead, in the Wirral, in the northwest of the UK, that's not too bad, that. But then we gave it another push, and this week... This week, I'm happy to say we're up to 17 tickets sold, which I am absolutely buzzing about. I've said pre-sales aren't doing that well across the entire board in the UK and even in the States across the world, pre-sale tickets aren't doing that well. But we've jumped from two tickets to 17 tickets and that is because of the power of the people. And I cannot thank everyone who has bought a ticket so far. You are guaranteeing that this show can go ahead, the artists can get paid, and we're gonna raise some money for Wirralark, the local homelessness charity. Thank you so much. Please go and buy your tickets if you can come to this show. We urge you to. It's going to be a phenomenal way to close out 2022. If you'd like to know more about our gigs, because we've got some doozies coming up in 2023 that I am not allowed to talk about yet, but if you would like to know about those things, you can sign up to our mailing list, which is over on our social medias. It's over on our link tree. It's going to be at the link of this podcast in the bottom of the description, and you can find out all the information that we're going to be cooking up for the next year it's going to be incredible and you can be the first to know you can also be the first to see videos like what we've just released with another segment on our rogues on the road from october we've got the brilliant chris dover with his billy song which is a phenomenal song and it's the opener of his brilliant album it's a difficult world and you can go watch that right now over on our youtube but enough about me, enough about Rogue Country, let's get on to our main event, the reason we are here, the mighty, mighty Pierce Edens. I adore Pierce's music. I found him a long time ago when we talked about this after we'd finished recording. I found him, I think it was through a Spotify playlist, again, toting the good things about Spotify. And as you know, I lean a lot further over to the darker, heavier side of country music. And that's what I bring to Rogue Country and Pierce Eden's music fit perfectly into that. I've been a fan since I started listening to him. And I've wanted him on the podcast for a while. And it made sense with this news. A Life in Trade, his brand new album, is now up for pre-order on Kickstarter. You can be part of the campaign to make sure that album gets made, gets pressed into vinyl, and gets into your hands and around the world to all the other people who dig it. The Kickstarter link will be in the bio or in the description of this podcast. It's all over his social media, which we'll also be linking to. And Pierce is a great guy. This was a great chat about composting, promoting music, touring, a lot of things that we got into for this hour chat and we're going to share it with you right now so without further ado this is episode 57 of the rogue country podcast with pierce edens so we're rolling thanks so much for him sitting down with us today obviously you've got your new album coming up that you're kickstarting stuff but i thought i'm glad i got to speak to you especially you know we're in the final month of 2022 it's been 10 years 
since your self-titled record came out in 2012. Yeah. That's the record I kind of found you on and really fell in love with your music and your songwriting. With that 10-year think- perspective, what have you kind what does that album mean to you now? Has it changed in the last 10 years? Has it made more well, of an impact? It was funny that you mentioned it because yeah, we're actually doing a reprint now. Like uh like as I've never a- actually printed that album on vinyl before now. Mm. Uh, so I've been diving back into that thing and we remastered it uh for a local vinyl press here in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm. Um like and getting that thing printed up uh, on vinyl for the first time ever um, in this coming year. Um, so yeah, I just got to, <laughs> because I don't, I don't generally put it on, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, like it was, it was a piece of work and um, I enjoyed doing it and, and uh, I don't mind hearing it when it's, when other people play it, but I don't hmm. usually put it on myself. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, like it was, it was, it was um, interesting to put it back on, you know, like again, to work on it and you know, like get it remastered for the vinyl and, and uh, just connect with it again and be like, oh, yeah, I remember how it felt doing the thing, mm. you know, uh, uh, because it was the in addition to just being the first, you know, like sort of um, release that I went out on my own. And you know, like I had had, you know, sort of a, 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 a local like bar band sort of set up, you know, playing gigs around mm. the area and whatnot. And uh, we had put together, you know, like a couple of albums to get gigs with and whatnot. But this was kind of my first solo effort. Mm. and uh and uh, yeah you know like just to uh, i recorded it at at my old homestead you know like where i am now mm. and everything so it was a real personal recording and and it, and it held up you know like I, I uh i was listening to it and it brought me right back mm. uh to, to exactly that time period and uh and uh uh yeah it was it was it was a cool thing to revisit yeah cool man i can imagine like obviously you've been playing them songs or you've been playing some of those songs live still but yep. you don't really realize you'll sound slightly older and slightly different how you perform mm-hmm. them now compared to them. Was that interesting to hear you kind of be 10 years younger and doing those songs as you were remastering them? For sure. You know, like there was a couple of them, you know, like that I was listening to. I was like, oh man, that's slowed down. <laughs> Mellowed out a little bit, you know, like some of the rough edges are, are uh, uh, either rougher or smoother than they used to be. Mm. Uh, you know, like, and uh, so, yeah, it was, it, it was yeah it was interesting also just to hear the choices that we were making you know like and mm. uh, um you know like the live show now we we sort of make different choices with them you know like mm. uh, take them in different directions but let moments breathe differently just because um a lot of those songs were were brand new when i was recording them as yeah. well and now like you say we've i've had 10 years of sitting with them and know them differently now mm. and with kind of obviously you've been remastering that so that's kind of fresher in your mind and you've been working on this new record lyrically yeah. and kind of mentally have you noticed any similarities or glaring differences compared to your perspective back then to now um i think uh, i don't know i've uh, settled more into sort of uh, um the storytelling aspect of songwriting mm. i think um I'm, I'm much more comfortable um you know like not just getting to the chorus not uh not not focusing so much on um you know like making the song uh catch yeah you know, like and rather than uh, rather just than just letting it say whatever um it is that, it, that i'm saying you know like a, yeah i think i i think you know like also you know like i think uh, with the perspective of age you know like just the the content of what i'm talking about has has shifted as well mm. you know um you know like it's um just a little bit different uh mm. you know like uh, the perspective that i come from anymore yeah cool man and like going way back to the beginning what was kind of your influence and in music like upbringing what was it that gravitated towards one to pick up a guitar and like learning to sing and you know becoming a musician and writing your own songs totally um oh well i mean as where i grew up you know like it's sort of a hotbed is madison county north carolina and it's mm. uh, up in the hills of the appalachian mountains and uh um, there's a real old time music tradition around, um, you know, like, and uh, by mistake or by design, our house just didn't have any recorded music in it. We didn't have mm. a television, you know, like um, uh, just growing up, you know, like uh, it was just kind of, so if you wanted to hear it, you kind of had to sing it yourself, <laughs> you mm. know, like, uh, and um, there were a lot of, you know, like old, old time music festivals, folk festivals, mm. and people just sort of picking around. And so music, was uh it just 
like I said, by accident or by design, it just became one of those things that people did rather mm. than yeah. you listen to. Um, you know, like, and so, uh, I picked up a guitar, took, uh, my dad really wanted us to learn how to He He's, he has sort of an unrequited, uh, desire to play music and never, mm. never really, you know, like sunk into it. And so he made sure that that was kind of, uh, you know, like he put a guitar in our hands early and I took, um, I took a couple of lessons when I was in like, uh, it was like 10 or 11 or something, uh, mm. you know, like, and I'm, I'm left-handed. And so he got me a left-handed guitar to play on and uh uh it didn't really stick mm. you know like i, I was uh, i was uh, too young for it didn't didn't it the interest didn't hold i learned enough to get started and then sort of stopped there and then um you know a couple of years later wanted to start a garage band with <laughs> my brother and play you know like sort of that uh because we had discovered you know like what recorded music was and pearl jam and nirvana and all those things were happening then <laughs> and uh, we wanted to do that and so I uh, sort of taught myself again on his guitar. So I had to, I had to switch over from the left hand to the right hand <laughs> and uh, start over. And um, that was just as well because we were just, you know, like banging out bar chords and, and making those big loud distorted noises. And, yeah. Uh, just getting into the, what, and like that, that uh, sort of raw emotion thing that uh, was so big in grunge music and so appealing to me as a, you know, like a teenager, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and the songwriting sort of followed from that because, um, you know, we we just needed something to play. And so um, we drew straws and I and I ended up being the singer. Uh, <laughs> none of us wanted to do it. And then and then from that, I, I started to care about what I was saying. And uh, that that's when it really kind of took, you know, yeah. uh, like and so been been stuck writing songs since. No, no that's so cool. I think. You don't kind of realize the kind of all-time traditional folk stuff. It wasn't really until like Nirvana's Unplugged where you realize how close those two genres are really connected. Yeah, so totally. It kind of makes perfect sense if you're going from like all-time music as like a younger kid hitting your teens and adolescence, and you break into grunge. It's like it just goes hand in hand with it. But what? Right. You just gotta, you know, play old-time tunes and turn them up real loud, and then suddenly yeah. you've got yeah, you know, like sort of punk and grunge music and country music you know like it's mm. yeah there's not there the the lines are very blurry between all of them you know like, yeah. yeah yeah but with that saying it's like obviously you start to sing and then you realize you had to like you needed to say something was that were there any lyricists or singers that kind of influence was it like eddie vedder and was there a political edge to what you wanted to do in terms of sending a message or was it just trying to forge your own identity in your lyrics yeah, I mean, uh, like Eddie Vedder definitely uh, was a was a big influence, you know, like and from, you know, like sort of that Pearl Jam influence uh, ended up, you know, like moving on towards like Neil Young. And then mm. also, you know, like all all throughout, you know, like, uh, you know, like, uh, like I said, we got we got the recorded music and my dad was is a big uh, Bob Dylan fan, you know, mm. like, and so that was playing around and, and that, you know, felt very familiar, you know, like uh, because, you know growing up going to folk festivals and and whatnot you know like it's like oh yeah this guy he's he's doing doing that and you know like and then you know like all those songwriters that you know like sort of fall from there you know like i mean you end up with in uh like john prine and yeah. I, I found you know like uh tom waits and that was that that became a major influence as well and uh um you know so like and then i guess like sort of the 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 through line that uh, that brought me through to all of those uh was again those kind of that storytelling song you know like um mm. people with with you know like the different things that they had to say said you know yeah. differently through different like um kind of songwriting forms mm. was like, oh oh you can do more than just get to the chorus yeah yeah no i think because that's like the interesting thing because <laughs> excuse me got my dog with me it's okay because yeah. i i remember the first grunge band I was really excited about and you was Nirvana. And I remember it really bummed me out to be like when Cobain, he didn't really put thought into his lyrics. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of it was just kind of like it needed to hit the beat and need to fit the mark and fit the vibe. And that was kind of what he was going for. Well, you know, Eddie Vedder, you start pulling apart songs like Jeremy and you're like, holy uh-huh. fuck, this is like a story. And then yeah. it's you start peeling those layers back and that's where like country and folk is just steeped in those type of story songs that just rob your attention mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah you know like and and like yeah and, and i'd say you know like also you know because i mean i always felt like 
uh, Kurt and Nirvana, like he was sort of painting with words, you know, like he mm, was, yeah. you, know, like, you weren't, uh, you weren't sure where he was going and like, there wasn't like a narrative around it, Yeah, but you, you could kind of get a feeling from, you know, like what he was talking about, whatever that was. And that, that was always interesting too. There's a local fellow around here that I grew up seeing his name is Malcolm Holcomb. And, uh, you know, like, a you know, acoustic songwriter fella. And he does that same sort of word painting mm. uh, thing, but in a much more sort of folk sort of tradition, you know, like, and so to see those two things kind of happening at the same time was like, oh, you, yeah, it really is a one for one here. Like, mm. you, can, you can go where you want to with this, like, because uh, a song isn't a story. It's a song. Yeah. But uh, but you can you can incorporate elements of storytelling into it mm. or not. You know, uh, you can really just make word soup and uh, see what that feels like. Yeah. uh, You know, Um, yeah, because, yeah, I was like, this is an aside, but I was talking to another songwriter friend of mine. We were just comparing notes about this. You know, like it was like, like, how do you get started on on a thing? And and we we both sort of um, like lit up because we were talking about that songwriter language where you just kind of find the vowels and you sound like an idiot for a good long yeah. while, you know, <laughs> like it just finding where the breaths are and the, ooh, Oh no, this song feels more, ah, than <laughs> ooh. and <laughs> yeah, you know, like, uh, like, yeah. And so, uh, but I think that gets into that sort of, um, you know, like that, if feeling your way into mm. a song and a story from there. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. totally. I've just been reading Rob Halford's brought out a new book called biblical. Um, okay. And it's about, he did like his Judas Priest autobiography. And then this is kind of like an A to Z of his experiences. So it goes from like what you should do about getting a lawyer to a band mm-hmm. manager to touring and stuff. And I'm only kind of 50, 60 pages into it. But he has a section on songwriting, which I thought was really interesting to see a metal writer's perspective. Because mm-hmm. he, they have an album and he writes the title first. And he'll write, say they've got 10 songs, he'll write 10 pieces of paper out with 10 titles and then huh. bullet point what that title has with, connoted, like, can it, can it uh, connotated to it. So he'll have like firepower and then it'll be like destruction, fire. And it'll be like words associated to that title and then he'll write a song and write lyrics based off of those things. I thought that was, a re- I'd never seen someone kind of huh. write from that perspective first. It was like right. title first bullet points and kind of brainstorming similar words well that sort of makes sense in terms of metal too because i mean yeah, yeah like that that's so much built on that just that that punch and that feel mm. so start at the high point and build from there yeah. that kind of that kind of makes sense to me yeah yeah uh, though like uh, i i it would have never occurred to me on my own no that's the thing i remember i had a university professor he always used to say what would you name your puppy because he's like, whatever you name your puppy, you kind of instill traits into it from that uh-huh. name. And then that dog will kind of grow up representing that name, even if you didn't necessarily mean for it to. And he always right. said, with compositions, name your puppy. So try and name it first. And then that will at least give you some vibes. And I thought that was, it's an interesting thing. I've done it occasionally, but for the most part, it is kind of sounding out that, yeah. those words and like that phrase and then the vibes are fit. And then, uh, trying to think of what to fill it in it's a really interesting perspective yeah that's yeah it's it kind of almost the opposite of what i do you know like i end up with a song and then the, like the last thing to come through is the title on the thing like i i have so many songs called the new song until <laughs> you know like it's time to make an album and i have to mm. actually put it in print you know <laughs> like yeah. you know so yeah it was a, we'll be on stage i'm playing anymore with this one fellow kevin reese he's uh, he's my long uh, time bandmate and it's mm. sort of uh whittled its way down into a duo show anymore like it's just me and him traveling around most, mm. most of the time and uh yeah i'll be like hey kevin let's play the new song and he'll be like which one <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah so mm. uh, the, the the new new one the no no the old new oh, the old new one. Yeah. the middle new one yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah but with kind of touring and having that back catalog have you seen as you've been playing, like obviously COVID kind of put part of that for a bit, but as being an independent musician, have you seen those songs resonate with people in different ways? Obviously we've talked about like 10 year gap, but as you've been playing to like mm-hmm. a wider audience and to different people, more people coming back to the shows, have you seen those songs resonating with people? And then that kind of may, might inform the title or how you deliver it next or inspire the next new, new song. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a conversation happening for sure. You know, like a, like um, at the beginning, you know, like just playing, like you were saying, getting started, you know, like it was it was kind of a one sided conversation. You know, like you'd go mm-hmm. out and you'd see what worked, you know, like and, uh, uh, you know, like and that and then uh, from that, you like kind of inform yourself. But now it's been years and years. And uh, Kevin and I were we're grinding pretty hard, traveling all over the United States and, um, um, you know, playing lots of shows and and. You know, like you you get to where you know, like you you start to understand what works where mm. and why. Uh, you know, like uh, and you know, like you start to hear back from folks who have been coming to the shows and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, come back, and you get get to make friends with people. You know, like and and find out what hooked them in and and mm. why. You know, like and so, you know, like um, yeah, I, like I don't know. I keep keep returning to that. You know, like the sort of what do you want to say that uh, just like keeping that uh sort of front and center you know like mm. uh like but with the travel and the playing you just have a lot more opportunities to have something to say mm. something uh, interesting you know like uh, that that wouldn't have occurred to you otherwise you know yeah like um yeah uh, so so that's changed i think um part of how mm. I, I come to it yeah. you know uh, like i can think of, like oh this is this one feels like Iowa, mm. <laughs> you know, in a way that I wouldn't have known. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I was just watching um, the Tales from the Tour Bus last night, and it was the Blaze Foley episode. And I didn't know, um, and he's saying it, it's like while he was playing songs, he'd pull out like pictures of the people the songs were about to pass around the crowd as like uh, I was playing. And I was like, that's a really interesting like weight to like add to those songs it's enough to like what we do is kind of telling stories through song but to actually pull out the person be like it's this motherfucker and right hand it to people i thought that was a really i'd never heard of anyone else really doing that before and i guess yeah. if you were a bigger artist you could kind of project it on the back if you were in you know some other way but to like it's a really intimate thing i thought that was a really cool yeah. thing to get like, people's attention a portrait in song yeah. wow yeah uh, Blaze Foley, man. Yeah, he, he could weave a yarn, I guess. Uh, been, uh, been, uh, yeah, digging back into him and Towns fans and whatnot. And they're like, just those guys that were, that were kicking it uh, there for a little bit. Mm. Uh, you know, like, uh, just reacquainting myself with those, those songwriters over the last, like, year and a half, two years or so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've just picked up, like, two old towns records that have been reissued i picked them up the other week and i've not sat down to listen to them yet but it is something about revisiting them even like going back to john prine it's Mm -hmm. it's good when a piece of art it can say one thing to you like one year and then you can be in a different headspace another year and you'll pick up on a different inflection or a different line you're like fuck it just hits like a whole new level yeah yeah no yeah there's uh, something to that resonation too you know Mm because yeah that's kind of what i was saying about like how at beginning uh, starting out it was just kind of a one-sided conversation mm. but that has that has really changed and like uh as you return uh, to folks you know like people people pick up on different things and and uh sort of show me what i what i'm saying as well mm. you know because uh i the line i keep returning to is like a song ain't much without the receiving ears to hear it yeah um, and and I, and I find that to be more and more true and like the more people listening, the more uh, chance you have of finding out like what what it is actually that you're communicating. Yeah, no. So I think that I, I kind of it's like um the sound of one clan like one hand clapping, or if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, that's yeah. like if a tree falls, it's the same thing. If a song's written with no one else to hear it, it, it did it happen? Like you can sing it to yourself and you it goes back to like kind of those YouTube bedroom shredders and stuff, and it's like it's all well and good to write those ones till someone else hears it and takes it in. Is it a song? Is it a piece of art that has like a depth to it? It's an interesting kind of thing to think of. And it has to be shared. I think the state of it. Exactly. You know, like, uh, you know, like, and and that was uh, kind of the the perspective I think I got from growing up with, you know, like folks just playing music, Mm. you know, like it was like, Oh, this is, this is a social thing. Yeah, you know, like you you practice in your uh, in in your bedroom, you, uh, and you listen to yourself as much as you can, but you don't really know if you're playing a song until you you know you have those uh, receivers out there. Mm. You know, like a, it's uh, 
yeah, it's, it, 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 it is a back and forth. It is communication mm -hmm. and that requires two active yeah. parties. No, totally. And outside of kind of music, have you been influenced lyrically or musically by like TV or film or literature or anything? Has there been anything that's kind of resonated you outside of music? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, uh, I, uh, you know, like a mm, studied philosophy and just a sort of dive dove into a lot of, you know, like the, the deep thinkers and the, mm. the thinking underneath the uh, thinking and, and whatnot. And so that has always, uh, you know, provided, you know, like sort of a depth of perspective, you know, like on whatever it is that you're consuming, mm. you know, like if that's TV or, or reading or, or listening to other songwriters or, uh, music or whatever, you know, like, uh, you know, like what is, what is, you know, like you're trying to get to, you know, like kind of the base note, the, 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 the root of what's being said, what, mm. what are, what are we trying to do here? You know, like, and so when you think about things that way, anything can, it can kind of strike you and become mm. an influence into the, you know, like, uh, in, into, uh, like a song and, um, you know, like, that happens in the real world as well, which is, you know, like not, not just, you know, like a uh, film or TV or whatever, but you just driving down the highway, see something on the side of the road and it, it just resonates mm -hmm. enough that, that it can become a line in a song or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. And was that how a life in trade was kind of born from like the Kickstarter description I read? It was because of all the handyman work you were doing around like the farm and building your own studio. Was that kind of where, that creative process started or was did you have those songs kind of kicking around and those kind of refined and cemented into your head through that work um kind of combination of the two mm. you know like uh, uh i put everything sort of on pause you know like when the pandemic hit yeah you know like as far, musically speaking um uh you know like in terms of like touring or recording or uh, any of that that sort of uh you know like stuff that you do whenever you know like yeah. you're trying to build up a you know like a, a living in in music and um and that was all just sort of put on halt you know like and so that uh just opened up a lot of time and uh and space in my head to do like you were saying all these other things you know uh because i've been driving around in the van playing shows and reading composting books you know like on, <laughs> on separate <laughs> stuff you know like and so you know uh you, you you end up saying to yourself you know like oh if i ever get the time i'm gonna do this that and the other thing and so suddenly i had time and um you know it was like all right well chitter get off the pot here you know like uh so um yeah like doing all that stuff you know like i had you know like sort of the embryos of songs mm. kicking around from you know like from tour touring and life and mm. just being behind the guitar all the time you know like uh you, you just sort of riff around you have an idea here think uh, like yeah. oh if i get time i'll i'll dive into this line here i'm always scribbling in the journal so there was yeah. like a collection of lines or, or drawings or just ideas you know kicking mm -hmm. around and, and um those sat by themselves for a little while while i was you know like composting or, or uh, knocking trees over getting chickens and uh raising bunnies and you know like and just focused elsewhere and they uh, like and um so you know like when i came back to it you know months later uh you know uh it it kind of came together pretty quickly and pretty mm. naturally you know um because my friend mike savino tall tall trees and yeah. kishibai uh you know he was he was building his studio in, in in at his house you know like and this was you know like now 2021 or so so you know like that six week hiatus that we were on that was going to be the t pandemic and yeah. now ground on for a year and was like, okay, well maybe this is just how it is now. And, uh, so yeah, I was just picking up work and, uh, he, he, uh, he knew uh, me through, you know, music and mm. heard that I was doing carpentry or whatever and called me up. And so like that just seemed like, all right, well, this is kicking back into gear here. You know, like I'm, I'm back in the music world yeah. via carpentry. Uh, so let's let's just run this down, see where it goes. And uh, yeah, sure enough, you know, like yeah, that was followed by, you know, like a sort of a creative explosion, uh, you know, like of just like demoing, uh, you know, out songs and ideas mm -hmm. and all those things that had sort of sat for a while that came just sort of percolating out. And uh, uh, and yeah, the whole thing uh, came together and, and just like 
uh, yeah, like one piece after another, just mm. like stacking oh. rocks. Yeah, awesome. awesome. And with building the studio, was like, did Mike have a vision of how the studio needed to look and what was going in it, or was it a collaboration on kind of what you needed? And it was a big studio to record like like a full band, like drums and stuff, or is it more of a smaller setup? Yeah, it's uh, sort of medium sized. Uh, I, I would call it. You know, like I mean, it's small. I think in in terms of commercial studio, but it's yeah. a, it's, it's big for a home studio. Yeah, you, know, you can do a full band in there, and we, uh, you know, like and we bounced a couple of ideas off, uh, you know, like of what. But he had a, you know, he had a, had a, had a few things set in stone already, ready to go. You know, like was like, okay, it has to be like this, that, yeah. that, and this. Want it, you know, to sort of sound this way, and uh, and um, and get that wooden feel, and uh, and have a nice like sort of vibey yeah live room so that you can set the microphone um in the right place you know like and, and really get the feel of the space you know like uh, that that was that was the main thing that we were building towards as far as you know, and then and then from that you know like a couple of things just as you do as you build a thing it kind of comes together it's like it becomes clear like oh this is this is where the sound booth is going to be mm. you know it make that makes sense but uh, yeah. we'll build a little alcove here for all the, the equipment that's going to run through here and we'll put a door here so that we can get sound isolation from mm. you know like uh, the like the drum kit or whatever yeah. you know uh, or put the guitar amps out in the garage or like you know, we, we can bother the neighbors with with <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. this piece but we'll keep this piece to ourselves yeah before we go back on studio and stuff i just wanted because i've been thinking about composting because i rebuilt my garden in 2020 while we were locked down for longer than we thought like it was just um like decking from the previous like residence and it just sogged and rotted through so i ripped it all up built like a whole different place and like i want to grow vegetables and stuff there but i have been thinking about composting because there's so much food waste that it just annoys me to like get rid of it but what was the kind of plan behind yours and what you do it's like compost and stuff okay well um i like uh i the three uh, the three pillars of compost you know like uh is a uh, nitrogen carbon and i think it's phosphorus mm. uh, you know like a uh, the npk they call it uh like uh and so um for me like uh, the the system i've landed on and uh, this is part of the reason why i'm so busy this time of year is because uh <laughs> You know, like it's like I have three full time jobs and none of them have anything to do with each other. And so it's just it's just the way it goes. But, you know, like uh, you got to get a bunch of carbon material, mm. you know, like and so that's known as brown compost. Uh, so that can be uh, paper. Cardboard is great. You know, mm. shred up the cardboard or um, uh, leaves. I get leaves from um, my uh, 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 there's a neighborhood that uh, has a lot of oak trees and mm. uh, I prefer the oak leaves. Um, for mine, just because they're very clean, uh, I don't end up with a bunch of twigs and sticks and mm. whatnot. So those are good for composting as well. They're just more long term. Like, and so uh, if I'm if I'm pulling like a six week or uh, uh, or a twelve week compost, I'll depend. Uh, I'll I'll change my carbon materials a bit. Mm. Um, and then uh, the nitrogen, which is like kitchen scraps and food waste, and like what you what you okay. were talking about. Um, or if you have a lawn, you know, like all the all the clippings from. Mm lawn uh work great as a as a green compost and then uh uh, for me you know like i use um you know like uh the manure from the chickens and Mm. the rabbit as sort of the final ingredient in my in my compost or or you can uh you can uh, work your way towards vermicon uh compost as well with like just get a couple of red wiggler uh worms from the local bait shop or whatever Mm. off them and they love living in in uh, like wet shredded cardboard Mm. and they'll your kitchen scraps and uh turn uh turn your compost into just gardening gold oh uh, sick yeah it's awesome yeah. yeah 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 it's one of those weird things like i've been watching the um zach efron documentary on netflix down to earth okay and it's, not- it's really interesting because you know like we were talking before we hit record where it's been the hottest summer but it's also like today's been crazy for cold and it is you know climate change and the environmental yeah. stuff it's just it's so mind-bogglingly big so if yeah. i can I, i'm just thinking if i can just scale it down and do one thing that can be like i'm trying to make some sort of difference in my head it's just we got to go this way you know like, yeah. uh, we've been going this way for a while let's just take it one to the left here yeah. you know like yeah absolutely you know like uh, yeah and uh, yeah that figures heavily into into my philosophy behind the whole thing too is you know like just 
bring it uh, back to local because uh, then uh, then your footprint on the planet is so much uh, so much smaller and, yeah. uh, and that's the way we need we need to do it yeah. it seems to me yeah um, uh, and it's also you know like uh you know like like i said it's it, it's a, it was sort of a latent passion of mine you know like uh when you know like we were out touring so much you know like it wasn't an option you know mm, like yeah uh, just because you know like you can't compost in a tour van that's disgusting <laughs> <laughs> the tour van's gross enough already yeah. you know like, <laughs> yeah, like so you know like uh yeah, yeah just to be able to actually sink in and um and, and make that be uh part of my life you know like as well uh, like yeah that that figured into um into the title as well just because you know i think we all got a um a time back in 2020 yeah in a way that we hadn't for a while everybody you know just press pause for a second Mm. Uh, and then it was a lot longer than a second and yeah and whether we wanted to or not had had the time to actually think like what am i doing what 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 am i doing yeah you know like uh and how do i want to do it mm. um you know like and so yeah um farming gardening uh homesteading uh, that 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 became my life mm. in a way that it hadn't been able to before mm. and so it occurred to me, you know, like, it's, no matter what you're doing, you're trading your life for something, you know, like, uh, yeah. like and, and so trading time for time just felt so appropriate yeah. to make a, make a record, you know, because mm-hmm. we're putting this time into a record and, and trading it one thing for another. With everything kind of stopping and slowing down, did that affect how you saw your music career going forward? Like, did you realize you had to be on the road? like 24, seven, three, six, five, or has it kind of made you think to be more selective about how and where you play? Cause obviously you've got compost bins to think about now. So it's right. Well, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, and uh, yeah, it wasn't intentional, but you know, like I, I just ended up collecting so many animals, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, 10 chickens, two bunnies, uh, a couple of dogs and a couple of cats, you know, like, and suddenly, yeah, that, you know, like, uh, like I, I've seen it happen uh, with uh, my peers, uh, whatnot, you know, like uh, around the music business was like, when when you start to put down roots somewhere then you know like you become a lot more selective about mm. things, you know like you know like uh like part of the reason why uh, we ended up sort of touring around as a duo was because then you know like you know, only had two rents to pay yeah uh, uh, fewer cats to herd you know like and uh we we didn't have we didn't have to be selective we could just kind of go and see and find out yeah you know, like, uh, like, oh, is this going to be a good gig or is this going to be, you know, like, um, one of those ones where you drive all night long and get yeah. paid with, uh, with a pizza and, yeah. uh, you know, like, uh, take your hits and, and, uh, try again next time, you know, um, you know, like, and so there's that, yeah, just by default, you know, like there's a, there's a lot more selection kind of going into where the live show happens and when, yeah. Uh, and uh that that has been i think valuable too because uh you know like uh it it allows us to sort of change our approach mm. uh, you know in a in a way yeah uh that 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 i'm in, uh, like super into again that's, yeah we just do anything for long enough and it eventually it just becomes your life you know like and uh you forget to uh, put some intention into it and uh, that was starting to happen for us when uh, we were playing just night after night after night. Mm. So it's been very valuable, I think, to just uh, take a beat and uh, and uh, decide what we want to do with it mm. again. No, totally. And was because you kickstarted uh, stripped and uh, stripped oh, down Gussie in 2017. You kickstarted that back had embraced yep. the internet uh, and that kind of, um, you'd embrace the internet and that kind of like viewpoint and stuff. So did that kind of inform, obviously you've kickstarted the new album. So has like, have you tried to continue to build that kind of internet presence? Because it does obviously mean you can be more selective and you can make income as a musician while having to go out to do all those tour shows. Yeah. And one of the things that I sort of stumbled upon uh, during the pandemic as well, is I started, you know, streaming, like, like so many people did mm. and like, was like, well, we'll try this, you know, like, um, and uh, that, that sort of accidentally got me more involved mm. in the internet you know, like, in a way that um, from the house, you know, like uh, that, uh, that allowed me to stay mm. home and take care of the things that I was taking care of as well. Um, you know, like, and so, 
yeah, like it just it just sort of underlines what you're uh, what I think you're saying is that, you know, like there's not just one way to do it. You don't yeah. have to you don't have to just uh, uh, just accept that, you know, like your life happens on the mm. road anymore. Um, yeah. Even though I think, you know, like, there, uh, you know, like people call and I, uh, I, I'd like I, I want to go, <laughs> you know, like like I don't. I don't think that there's any sort of replacing that live music that they're really no. bringing it back down to, you know, like uh, just taking as as few steps between the the voice and the ears as mm. you can. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, in this modern day and age, there's uh, there's there's room for other things, too. Mm. Uh, you know, like and so you, you you can sort of, you know, yeah, pick your way through like there's just a lot of different ways to go about it mm. uh, more so than maybe ever before. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah no totally i'm with like kickstarting back in 2017 you know mm-hmm. kickstarter for me it's always kind of been i've always backed kind of kick uh, comic books through it and stuff there's no oh, wow. i've never really seen music have that much of a presence on it obviously pledge music happened a few years ago and shit the bed and ruined kind of crowdfunding mm-hmm. for a lot of people but uh-huh. Kickstarter has always been quite solid back in 2017. Do you remember the thought process and the reasons kind of behind crowdfunding an album that way, as opposed to, you know, going into thousands of pounds of credit card debts, like most musicians end up doing and stuff. Cause that, cause I'm looking at Kickstarter and my next record. And it is, you know, you don't want to be bankrupting yourself every time you want to make a record. Right. Well, and for me, you know, like uh, I saw it and I thought immediately like, oh, this is a pre-sale platform. Like, uh, like I can just use the, the, this to, you know, like take orders on a record that people want. Yeah. And if people want it enough, then I can use that money to make the record. You know, like, it's just, you know, like, uh, it's just sort of getting, uh, like asking people to trust me to you know, pay me up front for a record yeah. that I then send off, out. Like, and that's been, I, that was like the original thinking. I was like, mm. oh, well, I'll just do that. Mm. You know, like, a, and then that way I can, I can kind of do more with the release because, you know, like, I, uh, by the time that stripped down, gussied up came around, I had learned enough about the music business to, to figure out that most of the promotion for a record happens before it's out, yeah. you know, like in a counterintuitive sort of way, you know, like I didn't know that you're going into it, you mm. know, like, and it's been a very sort of uh, do it yourself kind of music career for me anyway just because um i'm a do-it-yourself kind of guy yeah. and uh and uh i didn't 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 know better <laughs> you know um you know like and so you know like that uh you know like so having you know like that kickstarter sort of uh show up you know like on on um ship down gussied up and getting funded for that you know like and realizing that that there were in fact people willing to to uh, mm. to donate to the thing um you know like even more so than just buying a record, you know, like, uh, like really, really getting invested and wanting to help out was, uh, yeah, like that, that sort of, uh, dropped the scales off my eyes. I was like, Oh, well, people want to be involved in this. Let's mm. get out of the way. Let's, l- l- let's let them, you know, let them help. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the thinking of, in returning to it was mm. like, Oh, well, uh, let's, yeah, let's, let's send it out to the people and, and, and yeah, jumping back into it and going back to like on a personal level, like promoting a record, what you were saying about like if the promotion's done beforehand, I always thought it's fucked up, especially for independent artists. Because when you have, you know, the Springsteens or the Taylor Swifts or the Adele's or whoever, they yeah. can afford to be doing like a six month PR campaign before it releases. Independent artists don't have the luxury of doing that. All the promo we can really afford to do is after the record's out. But most publications and most people who are journalists or reviewers, once it's past like a month old, they don't give a fuck. And it's such a hard thing to do as an independent artist is to break any level of ground to promote a new record prior to your release. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a grind, you know, like, um, and I've, I've, uh, you know, like I've picked up a few things here and there, but yeah, like you say, it's, uh, the, yeah, the the nature of the beast is just built for those that are already established, already mm. in the industry. You know, like it's it's just how it is. You know, like mm. um, you know, like and uh, it, it I think it's a shame, but you know, like uh, I'm done yelling at a mountain for being uphill. You know, like yeah, <laughs> like it's just, yeah. All right, that's it. I I still want to do music, so uh, like that's that's the giant I have to tackle. Mm. Uh, you know, like and and so yeah, like uh, the the Kickstarter becomes sort of uh like a major uh uh 
uh, asset in that regard because then like I like I was saying is that even though I can't afford to do it you know like like uh, like the Bruce Springsteens or the Taylor Swifts of the world mm. you know like I can I uh, with with a little bit of funding you know like before the record's out I can afford to do something yeah. you know like and, that, and that's uh, and that's usually been enough for me you know like and because uh you know i'm 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 just happy to be here <laughs> you know you know like uh, like uh, all i need is a, is enough to keep keep the the train on the track you know uh yeah so uh so th- yeah that's where uh, that's where it goes you know, i'll eat out of the garden and then go play the show you know yeah. <laughs> like uh, yeah. make it work mm, yeah. but no i think that's a really interesting thing and that's why i enjoyed about kind of the kickstarter write up because i think there's from the like today we're recording i think there's 20 days left on the kickstarter yeah um, I, like i was reading up on it and it is interesting to like you know you are a seasoned musician you are aware of the challenges and the mountains of the music industry and you factored them kind of into this kickstarter campaign to take people on that journey to know what it's like to be an independent musician yeah. with kind of the team you're working with with they people you've built relationships up before with and you've obviously heard of and seen the work that they do to bring into yeah. all camp to try and get um your new album out yeah absolutely you know like um like for instance right now i'm i'm not at home i'm in the office of uh, uh my good friend mary lynn who's uh who runs you know like a um a, a business of her own called in blue handmade and it's like leather goods and whatnot and it, mm. it's been uh you know like uh, she's she's a uh, dear friend of mine that i've uh, that i've met through like uh shows and stuff and just she helps me out with merchandising and um uh and fulfilling orders and whatnot because that's uh she's a whiz at it and i mm. <laughs> like i said i had no no real uh talent for computers at at all uh much less you know like order fulfillment or merchandising or mm. any any of the the, the con- uh, shipping considerations all, all the things that you know like i never sat down behind a guitar to do yeah <laughs> but independent uh, musicians and independent folks of all 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 kinds know that you know like as soon as you decide to be independent then you've got a number of hats to wear that uh may or may not fit you know like but you got to put them on anyway Mm -hmm. um and so you know like i've i've developed these relationships over the over the years just ending up you know like just trying to figure out how to like i said keep the train on the tracks and um Mm -hmm. so you know like uh with uh publicity and uh and like um you know like venues and uh, booking and and management and promotion and all the things that you know like like i said i never really set out to do yeah when i when i sat down behind a, a guitar i've got you know like uh you know like close friends who have been helping me out at this point they're close mm-hmm. friends started out you know like it's just you know uh yeah people we met through doing shows and started working together and whatnot no mm-hmm. so you know like i'm uh real excited about you know like because uh, all of these people I've met since Stripped Down, Gussie Death, the last album came out. And so, um, yeah, I'm uh, really excited to have had, you know, like the 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 time over the over the pandemic to take a breath yeah. and get prepared. And then also, you know, like that time to you know, like uh, really kind of flush out those relationships that I'd built over the years and uh, plug them into mm. now this application see yeah. uh with you know like with you know like a a, a little bit of money uh, gathered together from the kickstarter and a little bit of intention put into where we yeah. want to go now like uh you know, let's see if we can't build something new uh, uh and uh and extend our reach even further no totally man I, it is one of those things where being an independent musician you realize it's 20 percent music if you're lucky and then 80 percent admin because you are your own booking agent your own manager and you are just like because you know the i remember mark maron once said you know you people will only help you or it's like you only start to make money when you make other people money and uh-huh. it's only when someone else gives a fuck that like it can actually start like growing and stuff and it, you always have to be your biggest advocate you always have to be the one willing to like put in the most way because no one wants your success more than you and yeah. you are always the one who has to be that driving force and it is one right. of those things where if you aren't willing to be your own manager and be your own booking agent for a good chunk of time why would yeah. anyone else right you know like uh, yeah exactly you know i think i think there i think that used to be the model way back in the day when the music business you know like they there were people that would scout around and be like oh i can grow 
this yeah. from a seed to a tree. Mm-hmm. At this point, that's that's long gone. You know, like I mean, if if it was ever a thing at all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I don't I don't know that there was ever that kind of support, just uh, speculative, you know, like uh, no. support around. And regardless, I don't know, I don't care what business you're in, you know, like um, you can't pay people to love your thing. No, you can pay people to do your thing. But, you know, like the, uh, that 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 missing ingredient is so essential, I think, in music in particular, because, mm. you know, like, uh, uh, I, you know, you can feel it mm. like uh, you, know, you can feel it coming through an email mm. uh, you know, like uh, it's just do is this authentic does yeah you know like uh it, it it's i think it's absolutely essential and so i've never minded you know like doing whatever i could you know like uh being independent nor and trying to keep that I've, I've never minded you know like even though that means you know like often oftentimes i'm doing something that i don't know how to do mm. and uh and more ways than one i'm certain that i'm doing it right you know poorly you know like it's just like uh, you're just gonna have to forgive me for this uh, uh, (laughs) because without this the other thing don't happen yeah so yeah but no totally i think that's really valid and going on like i've just been watching like some willie and whalen documentaries and stuff i was thinking like if they started today they wouldn't have been given the time to get to redheaded stranger or honky tonk heroes because that was like six seven eight albums in in their career and it's like that just isn't like no one grows people like that anymore in terms of the record label industry they would have been dropped by like album two and it's crazy to see how that industry has gone but also how independent artists like yourself have built a career and built a living off going your own way and being independent because you may not be getting obviously help from labels but you own all your own songs which is a huge yep. thing and it's you get the final say on everything as opposed to you know having to cut your hair and sound like whoever or do whatever you need to do that right. the label will try and force you to do yeah yeah no uh like yeah it, it, it's it's strange you know because the all, like i think the music industry the way it is right now you know like all those main highways like you're talking about they still exist but they're in they're in in pretty major disrepair you mm-hmm. know like i mean you know like they're there, there's not that rocket sled to stardom that there used no. to be, or uh, you know, like uh, what we've got instead, sort of metaphorically building in my head, is is just a lot of, of side roads and uh, and and back roads, you know, like on which there are a lot less people, you know, like uh, so like if if that's your drive, you know, like uh, you know, like just to get into the big shiny lights, then it's harder than ever. Um, but you know, like there's plenty of life happening, you know, like uh off to the side here yeah you know, like and, uh, and uh, so i've i've been i've been very content uh to just you know like dive in there mm. and uh, uh kick around in the backwoods you know like sing for whoever shows up you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. no exactly and with a life in trade is it it's already isn't it like if well when not if when the kickstarter is fully funded in 20 days yeah. that email yeah. is going out and that record is out in the world at least digitally for the time being until yeah. the funds come through and you can <clears throat> produce it on vinyl and stuff yep so how long has that record been created and kind of sitting there for um well i mean uh, it depends on how uh, where where you call it you know like uh because mm. uh, there's no great work that has ever finished uh merely yeah. abandoned you know <laughs> <laughs> like so um you know like uh yeah like uh i I hesitate even to say it, but, uh, you know, like I would, I would love to, you know, continue to put finishing touches on it forever. Mm. But, uh, like, uh, but, uh, but really I, like, I think as far as like the, the, the finished work that it is, or like we've had that, um, oh, for a couple of months now, mm. uh, you know, like, uh, it's just, you know, like set on it for long, like, is it done? <laughs> let's listen one more time. Is it, is it done? And, uh, we you know, finally landed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to go um so uh yeah the 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 music part of the 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 record is done mm. um like um and yeah and so yeah just as soon as like like you say as soon as i get the the money to actually execute the plan that we've got in place which has been you know like putting the plan together has been the last couple of months mm. you know like, uh, and so as soon as i get the funds to execute that plan uh, then i can send it out into the world and let it let it live where it's gonna yeah um, and I'm excited about that because uh, it, like it, it came together um, 
and uh, and I think we broke some new ground. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what people think about it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. Like I've been a fan of your work for a long time. I'm really excited to, um, because I have Kickstarter. I've put my money where my mouth is. I'm not just empty promises. I have like Thank backed you. it, and I'm I'm really excited to listen to it. But with kind of you know saying you've taken things further and stuff, has there been anything in your mind? specifically from like the songwriting or the production perspective that's kind of taken it and made it like the record it is now uh well i i i gotta gotta still got my friend mike savino uh the tall tall trees for his mm. influence on this you know because i mean in addition to you know like having you know like a uh you know like chops as a musician which he has endless uh, uh talent and ability for like he he was also like uh uh a steady hand on on keeping the direction mm. of the album moving in the, in the way that we had said in the first you know like a we mm. we had a lot uh you know like a you know a lot of time swinging hammers and putting the studio together uh, time to talk about like yeah. all right well when when we make this record what do we want to do with it what do, oh, what are we tr- what are we shooting for here you know like and um you know like that's always been the case with the other recordings and whatnot mm. but with my hand on the wheel you know like uh, i i'd get excited about you know like uh concepts you know like a thing uh, or like hear something and, and chase it down you know like go go that direction mm. because because i could yeah you know, like and that that's a lot of how uh you know like the other records came together and and a lot of you know like you know like a lot of the reputation that i have now for sort of genre bending and and mm. just sort of taking what i need from one thing or another um, and with Mike, you know, like uh, that was, he, he was able to, you know, like sort of funnel that, uh, in a, in a way that uh, I, I don't think it has been before, mm. you know, like, um, and really kind of, you know, like uh, maintain that original direction that we had for mm. the, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's exciting. Uh, yeah. like, yeah. Um, cool. so I, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to take up too much of your time. We've already had like two malfunctions yeah. and stuff and, you know, you're a yep. busy guy, but just before we kind of get to the end of it, what's your plans? Obviously, you're going to release a record, record and promote it. Um, have yep. you toured over Europe and this way before? No, no. The uh, the, the closest I've ever come to that idea is I ended up busking on uh, like on the you know, on the sidewalks every now uh, on just a, a a trip that I had uh, and when I went went uh, sort of kicking around, but. Like nothing ever formally or um uh or or organized in any any sort of capacity. Yeah. Um but you know, like uh yeah, it's 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 on the list of things to do for sure. Mm. Like a bucket list of like, well who do I know? How could I put this together? Yeah. You know, like uh like and uh so so yeah, that that's that's one of the big hopes for, for this uh this coming push. Mm. Right, man. Yeah. And then are you planning on touring more strategically and specifically in the new year because like we've only got 20 days left of yeah 20 days year. left yeah you know like and so you know like uh yeah like uh, it's gonna the tour schedule is gonna be ramping up uh you know like again uh just as part of the whole release plan uh you know because um in addition to just you know like uh live music you know like mm. the whole thing is kind of all geared together so you know like if you can get you know like a, a excitement together for an album excitement you know, together for a record or or whatever then that translate in into you know like all right well then venues get excited too yeah and actually help help out with the you know, getting folks out to the show and, mm. and whatnot and it seems to be about that uh, the right time for that too because it's been it's been you know like fits and starts or over here for sure you know, like as mm. far as what getting back to live music looks like and yeah. how, how it operates and so and by now it seems like we've uh, sort of smoothed most of the tablecloths out i'm sure there's there'll be speed bumps here and there but mm. um you know like it 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 feels like the right time to uh, start gearing that thing up yeah yeah so right. yeah there'll be uh there'll be some touring around um previous to the record and then uh, uh you know uh, after it's out obviously we'll just keep it rolling
keep it rolling indeed and thank you so much for listening to episode 57 of the rogue country podcast i really appreciate it don't forget to like and rate and follow on whatever podcast platform you're on it always helps and head over to Pierce Eden's Kickstarter or Life in Trade. The link is in the description of this podcast and it's going to be across our social media. Back that album, you will not regret it. And in the meantime, keep supporting the things you love, keep loving the things you love. And until next time, peace.